Yeah, I gotta figure out something. Um, God. Flavor ice popsicles now. <laughs> uh, the color yeah. orange. Color orange. <laughs> And welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a show that has seen the tears of time. I'm Scott, and with me are a couple of cool dudes. Feel free to introduce yourselves. Wasn't there just one? Me? Neo? Oh, goddamn. <laughs> uh, you just let him walk right into that, didn't you, Scott? Yeah, I did. Well, you all know who he is. I am Jeff, a.k.a. Jabman025. A.K.A. the defender of the defender of the defender, and yes, you're going to do the echo effect, aren't you? Oh yes. And this episode, before... you have to you have to put a little bit more passion in it than just saying defender, defender, defender. No, but the the echo adds passion. That's how echo works. Yeah, but you got to. I'll gotta give you your chance to do what you've always wanted to do, Scott. Paul, if you would please give me the, your best defender, defender, oh, defender. Oh, I'm gonna have to. I, you're gonna have to give me uh give me some time. I got I got to work up. Okay. All right. Deep breath. Sometimes, Sometimes I can't do it, my voice is on command. <laughs> There's only a few I can do on on, on a moment's notice. Hey, come on, you're the one who came up with that commercial, Solbro told me. No, I mean, I, I, I might be doing this later on in the show. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> We're all right. save it for later. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. well, save it for later. <laughs> all right. Well, okay, in that case, um, into pick of the week, I'm going to let Jeff lead off. <laughs> Okay, my pick of the week, something we all take for granted, air conditioning. Because right now, it is hotter than almighty hell outside, and I'm nice and cool and comfortable, and I'm not melting like I was all day when I was driving around. It was utter hell out there, and I'm very happy to be comfortable. Hmm. That's an interesting pick, but yeah, I can, I can understand how that would be a, a good pick of the week. Hey, after, the, after as hot as it's been this week, AC is a wonderful thing today. <laughs> It's one of mankind's greatest uh, inventions, huh? Indeed. I have a uh, friend whose husband is British, and they don't have AC in Britain. Of course, they got, you know, they're an island, so they got, you know, a nice, cool breeze. And I talked to him the other day. It was so outside. He was like, how in God's name do you people live like this? Like, we, we don't. Yeah, it's called we, AC. We, go we have these devices that plug into our houses that make him cold. Exactly. We go inside and we don't come out. <laughs> We have this thing called conditioned air. I guess my pick of the week is, and it's probably, I know I'm probably a late comer on this, but I've really discovered it lately because it lasts like a week or two, and I've actually made some pretty good money off of it, is uh, with some of the crap that I have is uh, eBay. Um, I never realized how much uh, how much fun and how um, how interesting it is how people will um, uh, overpay for things. <laughs> Especially when they'll, they'll overpay like uh, maybe 50% of what they could have just bought it now as. <laughs> they do the whole, the, you know, they'd rather do the starting bid instead of just do the buy now. And it's like, yeah, I did this buy now for 20 bucks, but you ended up paying 40 No problem. No skin off mine. No returns, baby. <laughs> yeah. See, people, it combines 
the people's love of winning things and the competitive of, with the com- competition of auctions with the ease of just clicking buttons. Yeah, and some uh, some of the stuff that I put on there you can't find anymore. I mean, it's it's not going to be you're not going to see it anymore. True fans, I guess, or, or you know, true collectors are going to you know go ahead and get it. So can't complain about that. Yeah. Speaking of, at some point soon, I'm going to be putting some U2 merch up on the Ebays. So look out for that. I might post it somewhere. You're using your podcast as an advertisement for your <laughs> eBay account. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's some VIP gear from uh, the U2 360 tour. Uh, Got a cool blanket. Never been opened. Wow. You'll know because it's in one of those bags that if you open it, it will never close again. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Like, like, no, no need for a certificate of authenticity. It's like, yep, still in the bag. Must be. It must never have been opened. Try, try to recoup that cost of, uh, you know, that 400% markup they have at the U2 concert. Oh, I, I didn't actually go to this U2 concert. It was uh, my dad, and he just brought me back a souvenir. Oh, that's so nice. You're, yeah. so you're reselling a souvenir. He, he, he made a point of telling me how much it was on eBay. <laughs> You don't say you don't mention that stuff if you don't think they're gonna do it. <laughs> well, I uh, mean, in essence, though, what are you gonna do with the YouTube blanket? I mean, like you said, I mean, unless you're once a huge open, fan of YouTube, I guess nothing. Yeah, it'd have to be a unless you're really cold. <laughs> you are up in Canada, Scott. It will get cold this winter. Yeah, well, it gets cold every winter. That's why I have my pile of blankets that I hide <laughs> under for three months. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure you have a. I'm sure it's not the only blanket in the house. No. So, yeah. I mean, you can never have too many blankets, especially in Canada. Yeah, but think if I put this up on eBay, I'll have enough money to buy like ten regular blankets. Yeah, point exactly. taken. Or maybe a hoodie. Or a hoodie. Yeah. Two hoodies, perhaps. There you go. If I know how to, if I know how to shop. Or a hockey jersey. Yeah. Yeah, man. Available from uh, ChampSports.net. Wait, wrong show. <laughs> hey, there, hey I, why would you do it? It's a pretty good deal, especially on all that. So, uh, Anything you can save on jerseys helps, man. Those things are uh, yeah. freaking ridiculously expensive. They, they are. Like, I, they I had a, never go down in price. Never go down. God, no. So... I, I recently looked into getting me a, a throwback jersey from the my St. Louis Cardinals, Nazi Smith uh, throwback jersey, four hundred dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. Seriously? Wow. Well, it's like even it's like here. Like an Albert I can get for a hundred and fifty, but four hundred dollars for a guy that's retired, really? Well, it's like here you you go to the you go to the mall here and and you, you know they have uh, magic jerseys up there and it's like they were. They haven't played in like months because they got bounced out of the first round. And it's like they're still asking just for those replica, you know, just for the normal ones, like $99. I'm like, really? For a team that couldn't even make it out of the first round? I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. But yes, my pick of the week is, like, ma- like many of my picks of the week, is going to what I am drinking at this moment, which is a Muskoka Brewery's uh, Mad Tom IPA. It's it's their newest thing. It's part of their initiative now that they're changing up their logos and labeling and putting beer in the bottles instead of just the cans. But it is a dry hopped India Pale Ale 
two things that I love very dearly in one bottle. It's delicious and bitter as all hell. So this is beer talk. That's not. I didn't know. I didn't know I was supposed to have a. I could have had a beer as my pick of the week. I would have done that. Well, most of his picks of the week are alcohol related. Yeah, I don't blame him. Beer is good and Indeed. stuff. Indeed. What is it called again? Uh, it's Muskoka Brewery's Mad Tom IPA. I think I've seen that stuff before. I don't know if I've had it or not. I don't. We have a couple of stores down here that are like, um, God, you can find stuff that you very rarely can find, you know, a lot of microbrew stuff. So I'll have to check it out to see. It's like these stores all try to one-up each other down here. It's like, this one you can't find anywhere. This one is only sold in oak barrels in a small back of the bar in Barrie, Ontario. <laughs> yeah, this is like this is like in some like desolate cow town in Saskatchewan or something like that. It's like there's only one, two places on earth you get it, that town and here. <laughs> it's sort of like record stores. <laughs> well, what are record stores? They don't exist anymore. <laughs> I, it's called iTunes now, Scott. Get with the times. Not, not See, a, I, I have the benefit of living in a place that, has, that still has record stores. We have one here. And but no, I, I know what you mean because you used to be able to go to all types of different record stores. There's one here in Orlando, and it, it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's competing I, I know against exactly. itself. <laughs> no, it's competing against everything else, and and um, it's just it's sad. I mean, that's just a uh, that's just a thing. I think that's really just happened. Un, I don't know why it happened here in um, the United States, but I guess it's just because of people just want to buy everything at one place and. You know, I don't know. And iTunes. Damn you, Steve Jobs. Damn you, Steve Jobs. Yeah. No one uses Zoom, so it can't be Bill Gates' fault. <laughs> I didn't. Is Zoom even still up? Well, I have a Zoom. It is. Plus, the Zoom marketplace is also the Xbox video wait, wait. sales thing. Wait, hold on. Chadman, you bought a Zoom. Yeah. Why did you I, buy a Zoom? Just because it was exceedingly cheap. And I, quite frankly, all I want is a music player. I don't need, you know, video player and all that nonsense. Yeah, but why? You could have gotten any type of MP3 player. Yeah, but I got a Zune and exceedingly cheap, and it's got a what huge memory on it, so I can keep filling it up. It is exceedingly cheap. I think I paid, uh, 40 bucks for it. Oh, wow. So what happens once they drop support on it because that you know microsoft is great on that one day you'll wake up and that'll you won't have uh any i was afraid it would but they basically just reaffirmed that zoom is going to be on xbox live pretty much for eternity so may as well keep the rest of the servers up right there's no point killing the music server if you're going to keep the xbox live server up so it's not going anywhere till till the xbox live server gets hacked <laughs> and you won't be able to even play a game uh, yeah, so let's not go back to the Sony madness. No, it'd be worse, because I was actually able to play games when my PSN was down. Yeah. From what I understand about Xbox Live is, if it's down, you can't even start, you can't even play a game offline. That's really? My underst- yeah, that's my I don't think so, because when my internet's been down occasionally, I can't, you know, connect to Xbox Live, but I can still play games, just not online, obviously. I don't know. I think, uh... I just can't wait to see that. That'll that'll be interesting to see. But we won't even go there. Let's not. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a whole other can of worms. Hmm. All right, so today we're going to have a great rarity for my show, a two-segment episode. Might even put wow. some music in between. We'll see how it goes. Some U2? No. no. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'll just mess with people's heads. The U2 version of All Along the Watchtower, so people can complain that it's not as good as the Hendrix, which it isn't. Well, a lot of stuff from U2 now is not as good as it used to be. So, pay your taxes, Bono and Edge. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think they just I think they just have this shell company that's supposedly for African children that they, all their money goes into. We love Ireland so much, but yet we won't pay our taxes there. <laughs> oh, what do the Irish need with money? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe to help prop up their uh, failing economy? <laughs> like everywhere else? Yeah. That is true. That is true, but... All right. All right, enough of this important, all, these important topics. Let's talk about giant robots. Okay. All right. Last time we did all the Universal Century shows but one. Today we're going to do all the alternate century Gundam shows, but one, capping it off with the grand debate of Haters versus Gundam Seed Destiny. Let's start or, at the beginning. Or like I'd say, the, uh, the way I would pitch it is um, people, uh, people with uh, intelligence and sanity versus those that are delusional and uh, have... Uh, have you know, have 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 a confusion of what is actually good and what's not. So, let's just call it haters versus destiny. It's not versus destiny. It's versus defenders of destiny. Fair like, enough. There, there, believe me. If I had to go up against the show, there, the show would get its ass kicked worse than you will. So. Oh dear. Oh, oh the, the smack talk. The it, talk. It, it's coming out early. This is going to be a show to watch, and I'm sure it's going to be two hours long, but stick around. Are they going to watch a podcast, show. Scott? What's they can watch the, little, they can watch the little thing tick along. A media player? <laughs> yep. <laughs> the little numbers that scroll, I'm sure. The randomization uh, thing on, on uh, media player. <laughs> I like those. Uh, well, they're, yeah. I mean, who, who doesn't? Like, I'm, I'm one of those weird people who actually kind of enjoys staring at computer screensavers, the ones that are really interesting. Yeah. Like, I don't mind seeing them if I'm walking past a store display. <laughs> but yes. You're easily entertained, Scott. I, I usually am. Speaking of easily entertained, G Gundam. The first of the alternate century Gundams. Yep, created for the 15th anniversary and was really perhaps the most blatant play to play uh, to sell Gundam kits that really backfired in Bandai's face. Like, it's like, Gundams sell better than all the other units and toys. Let's have a bunch of Gundams instead of, you know, one Gundam and a bunch of grunts. Oh, the, the mech designers and artists and most of the crew don't seem to like this idea. These are really silly. That but... did not go well. <laughs> It also showed you how, like, the, the Gundam designs just showed you how, like, out of touch and on PC the Japanese people are because some of them were just blatantly, like, just blatantly kind of racist or whatever. You know, yeah, like we... the 
Mexican Gundam with the sombrero and the poncho. I mean, really? Zebra Gundam. Yeah, I mean, come on. It, it was like <laughs> Zebra any, Gundam made me laugh. Any stereotype that was possible was put into these Gundams. I mean, come on, the windmills. Oh, the windmill was awesome. It, it was so stupid, but it was awesome. I mean, even even Maxter. It's like everything else is a play on everything, on, on what their country's known for, or like icons of their country, except for Japan. It's, you know... It's just a hero and, suit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just regular, and of course it looks so much better, and then when we get the god, well, it's so much bigger. And Well, uh, here, here's the thing. Do you know what the original suit for Japan was? Do you know what the original submission was? I think it was the one of Master Asia's, wasn't it? No, the Noble Gundam. Oh, <laughs> sailor suit. Yeah. Is it really gonna have uh, the lead pilot, the Noble Gundam? That might have been Katoki just be- trying to punk Bandai, but yeah, that was the first one they showed. It's like, how oh. about a sailor, a sailor Moon Gundam? Come on. Well, maybe Anyone? maybe they were doing what the what all the the fans want that you know the mythical um, lead female pilot, which you'll probably never have. <laughs> no, you know we, the the common thing of come on, oh, we had Katra. <laughs> oh, he wasn't the lead pilot. Well, he was a lead pilot, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, he was a secondary pilot. Yeah, because yeah. the lead was always hero. It's like no, there are some characters you can debate as to whether or not they had equal screen time. Not fucking Katra. (laughs) And always remember, the lead's always going to be Japanese or half Japanese. It's always going to be that thing. Well, they they break that rule a little. Where? Well, Setsuna is, you know, Arab. (laughs) Well, that's true. He just gets the Japanese code name, whereas everyone else has really weird names. Well, that, we'll get to that when we get to double O, or you guys aren't going to do a double O, are you? I don't think we're doing double O today. We'll do that for another one. All right. But yeah, the uh, G Gundam, the most blasphemous one that everybody hated, and now it's considered one of the greatest AU centuries um, ever made. So I guess there's hope for Gundam Age. Yeah, there is hope. <laughs> there is always hope. You just have to wait five years, and then suddenly it's a classic. God, five years ago, I just got it. You know, it was like G Gundam. Oh my God, I can't believe this. And then now it's like people rediscovered it, and it's like, oh, it's the greatest thing ever. You know. Well, I think G Gundam came to America around the same time a lot of sort of deconstructive super robot shows were around. So when you have something that is blatantly old school, over the top, hot blooded craziness, people might not be so kind to it. Well, you got you got. You know, like the host, one of the hosts of Gundam, uh, Solbro. He, I, I used to sit there and tell him that that show was awesome. He's like, oh, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't look like regular Gundam, blah, blah, blah. Then he sat down one day and watched it because we were going to have to review it. And now it's like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, you know. <laughs> so, but, well, you know, but that, yeah. Truthfully for me, truthfully for me, I like G Gundam, but it's not in my, you know, anywhere near my top five. And, Full disclosure, I'm more, much more of a fan of the real robot genre than the super robot genre, so that probably has a good deal to do with it. But I like G Gundam, but it's not like, oh my god, this is a classic. This is amazing. It's like, it's a fun show. Is it, you know, knockout amazing? Not really. Because 
there's a lot of filler I kind of see in that show. When you get to the main plots points of, you know, Domo and Master Asia, Domo and his brother. Excuse me, filler? Oh, hey, hey. Whoa. Okay, okay. Gonna, God, you, thank you for the ammo, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> God. There's, there is filler, and whenever we're getting to those battles of, you know, the... Filler, it's... it's of it's, the it's Gun- a, it's, G Gundam it's, versus random robot number three. It's like, okay, yeah, just you, get to that so we yeah, can no, get that was like, fight. That, that, like, well, this is the thing. There was filler, and then we hit the Shinjuku arc, and the filler went away. Right. Yeah. So there was only, only seven episodes. Yeah. And you have to remember, it's being... It's it's modeled after old martial arts films. I mean, the, right. the, the guy who directed it, and that's always the key in a martial arts film, is the the student builds up, has to take his lumps, and then finally surpasses the master. That was the whole thing. And then he surpasses the master, and then he goes on to save whoever he needs to save, the town, the village, whoever. So. I it's, I'm just saying it's a little formulaic at times, but you're right. It's formulaic for that very purpose. <laughs> oh, man. Are we? I'm Hold just... on. We'll get there. We'll oh, get there. No, you just keep just keep talking. <laughs> <sighs> it's, like, it's like being with Soul Bro. <laughs> keep lining them up. We'll knock them down. <laughs> okay, okay. So what's next on that list? Well, the, there's there's something like again, the, just to get my thoughts out on G Gundam is the strength of this show is in the plot until the last six episodes, which you just don't pretend don't happen. Like the show really ends when with that last fight between Master and Domon, but the the plot, as much as you have these formula one-off episodes, the, the core plot is a really solid sort of kung fu movie plot. Yeah, that's a lot about. That's really about relationships, and everyone's like, oh, we need more relationship stuff and robot shows that isn't stupid, and it's like, this is the one that does it, and it's the crazy, ridiculous one. Well, it's, 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 it's that, and it's, it's coming of age. It's him being from the blockhead young kid that's not noticing that this girl's in love with you and that you have feelings with you, with, for her, too, into, you know, I now I lost her, and, and you know, I have to go back, and I, I don't know if I'd agree with the, the plot ended after Master Asia because, you know, some of that stuff was kind of important because it moved into a different thing. But I think on my thing, the strength of it is the strength of the characters. I think, you know, and we always hear this, you know, we always hear, oh, movies and shows, they have to have great characters. I'm not feeling these characters. Well, in this thing, you, you actually identify and you like all the characters because they're all got their own little different things. But... You know, it, it's it's kind of the strength core of, of what it is. You have the Shuffle Alliance, who's the core, you know, four guy, or five guys that are just kind of brought together because of destiny and end up working out, you know, start as rivals. Destiny? Yeah, that's the proper use of destiny, not uh, using some stupid plan that doesn't make any sense. But, um, and then having them become comrades and then helping the one, you know, helping the, the main character push on, so... But that's my take on it. Well, my favorite relationship in that whole show is you're right. I like the Master Asia Domo, and I like the Rain Domo. But my still favorite has got to be Domo and his brother, because the entire first half of the series, he is looking to hunt him down and kill him. He is going to do whatever it takes to find him. Then he finds him, and he doesn't even realize it, as he's helping him get better and he's training him. And then he finally, you know, figures everything out, all the pieces 
fall into place. He has everything understood, and then he has to kill him, yeah. which is really harsh. But it's a great plot point. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the um, one of the you know hardest episodes emotionally when you look at it. It's like wow, there's a lot of stuff going on here, and you know you you it, it kind of puts you in that situation of what 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 would I do in the same situation? So, but. Yeah, have you seen this man? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the bathroom right now. I, um, I don't usually talk about fan works often, but there's a G Gundam abridged that's really great just because it's like, have you seen this man? Yeah, it's that guy on the TV. It's like, goddamn character designers. Yeah. <laughs> just pointing out the of uh, the fact that Kyoji and Chibity look so very similar. I am the champion. <laughs> But yes, well, one thing I want to point out is that while most most Gundams were pretty racist, I think the stereotypes for Canada came out more in the portrayal of the geography, where everywhere else is just sort of these run-down urban environments. And then you get the one episode in Canada, it's like, untamed wilderness, as far as the eye can see. Yeah, they've never <laughs> been to the, the middle part of the country, have they? No. <laughs> Or it's just planes, you know, flat planes. And what's weird, and this is the thing, is technically they do in the show, because they go from the Niagara Falls to the Rockies in an afternoon. Yep. Yep. And then what was it? Scott, you're saying uh, you're not podcasting from the middle of the forest right now? No, no, it's an igloo, actually. Oh, okay, okay. It's very hard to rig a T4 line to an igloo, but I did it. And and the, uh, the pilot from Neo Canada, he was like so... Like typical big burly lumberjack type of dude, and you know, like the only photograph he's uh, he owns looks like it was taken at ye old timey photo booth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like um, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Epcot, the the Canadian Pavilion at Epcot. Where yes, like, I have been to the Canadian Pavilion at Epcot and watched the video where it makes it sound like we're gonna we've got we're gonna get electric lights in ten years. <laughs> it's got so- it. It's got an awesome steakhouse, though. That place. Oh yeah! Oh my god, that place is great. So, well, I have this hand of mine, and it burns with this awesome power. <laughs> There's an ointment for that. Oh, good. It's good because it it keeps telling me to defeat you. I don't know if I should. Hey, man. <laughs> hey, it's it's fun, and and you know I. I with all the recent developments that's happening, Gundam, you know, about a year ago, I'd say there would be no chance of a sequel for G Gundam. But with all the other crazy stuff going on, I wouldn't rule that out of a possibility now. I hope they don't do it because if, it, if it's garbage, then it's just going to degrade the original show. So, Like, that, yeah. that's the thing is, I don't know what they do to us. Like, I know what they would do with a sequel, and I wouldn't want that. <laughs> The only thing I ever thought of them do, if they ever wanted to explore more of it in an animated fashion, would be doing a quick OVA of showing when Master Asia was like the consecutive champion. That would be cool. That, but that would be right. a completely or, or young Master thing. Asia as he becomes a champion. You know, yeah. see him following the same path that Domon took. Well, not necessarily because you'd have to see why. I'd rather see him win the championships, and then at the end would be his realization of going, be doing what he did in the show because of you know, trying to renew the earth and all that, you know, once yeah. he got all hip, hippie eyes. So yeah, I can see, like I said, I doubt we'll ever see a sequel series, but I wouldn't be shocked at all to see an OVA in the future. I reserve judgment on that. Now I, I wouldn't want to see it, but with all the stuff they're doing, I mean, 
what was it two years ago they never you never thought they'd do a, a, a written work and they they'd, they'd never do an adaptation yeah and they never and they've since bucked that twice now so who knows who, who well, knows well, they're just going all nuts at bandai exactly yeah maybe next will be the steampunk gundam wait that's already <laughs> been done well it wasn't really steampunk i know but it's the closest thing that you're going to get of it. <laughs> Speaking of hippies, Gundam Wing! <laughs> really? There you think so? Yeah. Ultimate pacifism. But, but, By the but way, our... we have mobile suits that can kill you. But ultimate pacifism! Yeah, but wait a second. The, they didn't start off as hippies because they were, they were set down to just level, lay waste to the earth. <laughs> yeah, mercenaries. Because <laughs> that was the whole thing of Operation Meteor. Yeah, I always thought that was kind of a misapprehension. You do realize that all the Gundam pilots are, by definition, terrorists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I, I just got really annoyed with how often the word pacifism showed up in the last few episodes. <laughs> That's why you watch it in Japanese. Yeah, true. That and you so you can hear Hero emote. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not be all wooden like he is. Well, that that was the direct the ADR director's choice, and I I respect the actor for sort of leaving voice acting for like 10 years over, more than 10 years over the fan reaction to something he did not control. <laughs> yeah. That said, I'm glad he's back. I really liked Stan in Dragon Age. <laughs> yeah, those are Hiro Yui and Stan from Dragon Age. Same guy. <laughs> well, I mean, Gundam Wing is probably one of the most, um, in terms of the Western world, it's probably one, of, it's the most important Gundam show because. It's really the first one that came to America and to the Western world. I mean, for, this for is what got the majority of us. It's the gateway drug. Uh, for yeah, a lot of people, that's what started the whole thing. And you know, there's there's faults with it, but you still can't discount its importance. And and it's it's not the worst show. I, I do agree with you. The the um, the total pacifism and the whining of Erlina gets a little ridiculous after a while. And Troy should have stayed dead. It would have made more sense. But it, it would have given the show a lot more punch. Yeah. Well, yeah, then they I... killed the wrong person. Kill Miliardo, keep Trey's. I mean, I know they brought it back for Endless Waltz, but Trey's was my all-time favorite character in that show just because he is the epitome well, of the glorious bastard. Well, I don't even have a problem with him dying at the end. The problem was that he disappeared. And the other problem is what we talked about in our show with our roundups is um, you would get, like, Big Bad Organization of the Week. You know, it's like, oh, it's Oz. Oh, no, it's not Oz. Now it's Romafella. Oh, you know, now it's uh, the White Fang and blah, blah, blah. Now yeah, I'm like, if you actually sit down and think about it, these guys went through five major governmental organizational changes oh. in less than a year. Like, yeah. April to December, five different governments. And, and they became prominent like that because it was like, what, the Earth Alliance... Then it was Oz, and then all of a sudden it was Romafeller, and then it was the White Fang, and then it was, what, the United Sphere Alliance or what, yeah. or something? Yeah. Well, it was, like, White Fang versus United Earth Sphere Alliance. Like, crazy. Oh. Like, and I get that this was just sort of a big, giant, like, Cliffsnos version of the entire Universal Century, but did you really think you had to hit every evil organization as a beat? Well, the thing is, I don't always get that because 
in the end with Universal Century, it's always Zeon at the end. I mean, there might be different factions of Zeon or, or a different leader, but in the end, it's all Zeon. I mean, even Neo Zeon is it's Zeon. Well, know? that and well, in Zeta you had this, and Double Zeta you had this nice little three-way tango between the Titans, this you know, the, this pro, this not evil space-based organization in the AUG, and then Zeon versus or Neo Zeon. Yeah, and the, and even then, Roma Feller was just sort of like this Cosmo Babylonia Zanskari Empire hybrid thing. Yeah, like they, they stuck the late UC into the middle. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean the the thing is is like you you do instead of having the one real baddie throughout, which should have been Trey's, you had too many going in there, and you know it, it's just I don't know it, and. I guess the other problem is is the fact of if you're not in a Gundam, then you're always going to get laid to waste. I oh mean, yeah, Leos are made of uh, paper mache and gasoline. And then, then they and then the Gundams were invincible up until the point that the mid season upgrade had to happen. Until it's like, nope, need to sell more toys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the thing that always bugs me about Wing is you were talking about earlier. Characters will disappear and then reappear suddenly, and there's no good flow when they come back in. Like in Zeta, you uh, you might have you know, Quattro disappear for six episodes, and he'll suddenly come back in, and he'll he'll you know slide back right in. Everything's gonna moving smoothly, doesn't miss, miss a beat. Well, I wouldn't agree with that because if you remember, like Basque disappeared forever. Yeah, Basque and, disappeared for most of the series. Uh, okay, he he showed up for the most and, part in Zeta, and and, I mean, and and in reality, he should have had a bigger role because he was one of the founders of the Titans. So yeah. I'll give you that. There are. I'm not saying across the board Zeta does a good job of that, but yeah, yeah I agree. But. but in Wing, when people, you know, you'll have someone disappear, you won't see him for 10, 15 episodes. Trey's just vanished off the face of Earth, and then all of a sudden he comes back, and he's running the whole damn show. Yeah. And it, you know, it doesn't link in very well in many different places. Like Catra will disappear. He got the plans for the Wing Zero, and he built that sucker in a weekend or something. Yeah. Apparently, but, you can find double buster rifles real cheap out there because he got that sucker done fast. Space eBay. <laughs> well, his, well, yeah, Space Bay. Um, <laughs> but no, his uh, his thing was, I, I guess the only thing they could say on that was the fact that his father was, you know, had that industrial complex. So I guess. So like, just I shut don't down know. the industrial complex. Okay, forget building more colonies. Forget all do that. Build this badass gunman and build it fast, everybody. <laughs> It's a shame because the show as a whole had some great characters. I mean, you have, um, you know, I know you know, it's always joked that Zex is low-rent Char, but, I mean, Zex is a pretty cool character. Um, well, Char's a pretty cool character. Yeah, Char is, but, you know... Zex, um, Zex was different enough. Like, as much as he was yeah. low-rent, he was a different... Like, he was just different enough personality-wise. And we, he, we, we say it not in re- not really derogatory meaning, you know, because... All of us, when we've gone through this, we all do like sex. And, you know, like you said, you got Trace, you have Noin. Um, even, I mean, the only two real annoying characters of is, is Catra and Wufei. It's just ridiculously annoying when it comes to the Gundam pilots. I mean, Duo, probably my favorite one. Um, I liked Troa up until he came back, you know, when he had the resurrection. Hero is once again it's like we said if you listen to him in japanese he's a complete he's, he feels like a completely different character i don't know i i can't hate on gundam wing because it's still enjoyable 
you know, for all of its faults, they're not so glaring that it makes it just unwatchable oh, or, just, or, or just a parody of itself. There are flaws with Gundam Wing, but nothing is, you know, glaring. Like, oh, my God, there's the huge flaw right there. There is none of those in Wing. Every flaw well, Wing has is fairly minor. Well, there's a flaw in every one of these shows. I mean, oh, of course it, there is. Yeah. There's no such thing as a perfect show. But, I mean, even even even. But some you know, some shows have glaring faults where you can see exactly where the problem lies. Other shows we'll don't. We'll get into that later on. Oh, we will. Sure we will. But, We're awesome at foreshadowing today, guys. Thumbs up. That's all I got to say. So, I got so to we're wait. both salivating to get to that point, but we have some more shows to run down first. Yeah, okay. What, one thing I'll say about Gundam Wing is at this point it's sort of formed like the... Sentai team. Not, not, well, not the Sentai team, but it's it's formed my baseline opinion of any Gundam show where it's like... It, it's the point where if it falls below the quality of Gundam Wing, it's not watchable. Yeah. Whereas it's like... when All I can say is, well, it's better than Wing. It means at least it's good. Yeah. And that's and that goes for the entire franchise, really. Or it's or it's the same as Wing. Yeah, you know, as like, good as Wing or better is quality entertainment. And I'll be honest with you, I think that's I think that's an opinion that most people have because I always find that when these new shows get, especially the alternate century shows, are brought up, you do hear that it's like it's Gundam Wing. I mean, even even Double O had you know those comparisons to Double or to Wing, even though in reality. It was nothing like double or nothing like Gundam Wings. So, well, that's uh, I think that has to do with more just an American audience. Wing was our gateway drug, so everything we see from that point forward, we're gonna go back to Wing as our source material and say, okay, was it as right, good as the first thing I fell in love with? Well, that's that's my point, but well, I stole uh, it. So I pulled a soul, bro. Sorry, <laughs> I, I'm I'm good on Wing. So do you or do you guys are you treating Endless Walls as separate? Well, Roland Endless Waltz now. Go from production order to chronological for a minute. Is Endless Waltz is mech porn? It's the fifty-first episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's the extended episode. It's like if we had three more episodes and we had a plot to fill. There we go. I did like the idea that there was someone. I always got the sense on there was always trays on one side. You know, manipulating everything, and I liked that the fact that there was actually someone, the Barton Foundation, manipulating everything on the other side as well. You know, in the background, in the shadows, Barton was there making his plans to take control of everything. Well, and this is where you actually, this is when you really do find out what Operation Meteor was about, unless you read the the uh, the manga. Right. I think it was what, Last Outpost or something. I can't remember which can't one remember. it was. Yeah. But uh, that that's where you find out what. Operation Meteor was. I still think, you know, even though it is mecha porn when it came to models and stuff, because those are the most, you know, the the most popular models are, you know, of course, Death Side Hell and and uh, the Bell Dandy Wing Zero. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, the Bell Dandy Gundam. You know, I do. I think the greatest thing that they did was they showed the last battle of Gundam Wing, but they showed it with those suits in there. So they, they reanimated it. Yeah, when you did the transition, it wasn't so shocking. Like, wait a second, why all of a sudden would they look like this? Oh, yeah. You know, they did look like this at the end. Like it. One thing I should mention is Gunna Wing, across the whole franchise, kick ass soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. one, probably, probably, one of, probably one of the better ones outside of, um, you know, with, throughout the whole franchise. Oh, Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'll agree. I thought Wing's soundtrack was good. I don't think it was out of the chart. But yeah, when we got to Endless Waltz, that soundtrack was nothing short of amazing. 
I don't know, though. Gundam Wing's pretty... I'm not uh, saying it's bad by any stretch. I think Wing was a great soundtrack, but Endless Waltz was amazing. Like The whole thing was just really, really great listening. And I think it's the it's like the only Gundam soundtrack that I actually go back to to listen to. Yeah. Like I, I, I'll say certain soundtracks work well with their series, but this is the only one I listen to on its own. Yeah, it, it's... You know, the low-rent Maneva Zabi, that was kind of a stretch. And, you know, it wasn't too bad, but the way they kind of tied everything up at the end with these guys and then Wu Fei actually ended up being normal again. You know, he was he was okay for, the, like, the first two episodes of Gundam Wing, and then he was batshit crazy for all the way to, like, the last ten minutes of Endless Waltz. And it's like, wow, you know, this if he was this way throughout the show, he probably would have been a better character, and it might have made the might have made the show even more interesting because he, you know, as much as we had said about Relina's whining and crying about total pacifism, this guy with it's like I don't fight women and I don't fight the weak and blah blah blah. Yeah. And it's like, oh my god, really? Jesus, like the, this this like half baked like karate dojo philosophy, or the thing that you know because he couldn't beat freaking trays in the sword fight, and it's like. He got hung up on that, and then when Trey's, you know, did the sacrifice because he knew what he was trying to approve with with that battle, and it's like, oh, you know, I should we should have done this in a better way, and it's like, oh, geez, quit your crying, buddy. But and then he got all, then he got into that big argument with Hero as he's fighting him, and then Hero falls into the sea, and he starts doing the same thing again, starts crying and screaming, it's like, oh, for God's sake, go away. And it's it's the only, and it, and it just shows you like. All the Gundams look great except, of course, Sandrock because you could never make that thing look good. I never cared for the original Sandrock, but I thought EW Sandrock was pretty good. It was all right, but it's just that type of style. But, I mean, if you really look at it, the other Gundams, I mean, of course, we talked about Wing Zero and Death Scythe, but then Heavy Arms, you know, dual Gatlings. Well, like, that thing was just, that thing was designed by Warhammer 40k orcs. Like, so much DACA. If, If we can put a machine gun on it, we'll find a place for it. And it's funny too because if you ever look at it, if for all the all the ammunition it was supposed to hold, it was like the thinnest, most sleekest looking Gundam of the five. It wasn't like you know bulky or anything. So yeah, like it was the first heavy arms variant that was not also huge. Yeah, yeah, because it really, in essence, if it was to be that with all the you know to store all that ammunition, it'd have to be like what was what was the one from Double O that uh, Tyria, um, the Virtue. Yeah, the, it would have been virtue sized. Yeah, I mean, because or had just these giant, this giant backpack full of ammo belts. That's the thing I never understood about heavy arms. Is like, is there? It doesn't even have a beam saber. What happens when it runs out of ammo? Does it it, had, that it had that knife thing. It had the knife thing. It had yeah, one had that, knife. That it was only used like twice. Which right. Is such a shame. Apparently, he just got like, he's got a backpack off screen just loaded with ammo or something. Well, that suit got kind of downplayed in the original series. Um, especially once it got upgraded, it, it didn't. It never really seemed like it was ever as the forefront as the other ones. I don't know why, but like it was there. Like it would blow up the. It would. It would do the stock animation of the firing all the guns at once, and, and then they go to this, and then they'd go to the stock animation of uh, Virgos blowing up, and that was sort of its job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or not Virgos, Ares, Ares. 
The only thing I didn't like about Endless Waltz was the end where it says they blow up all their Gundams and say the Gundams were never seen again. It's like And really? nothing bad ever happened. Yeah. And well, it was, was happily it? It was... ever after. And of course we know that it was a complete lie because then we got a frozen teardrop and we know, nope, they were lying. Well, it's uh, it was like it was like uh, cue the Robotech narrator, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. All things happened. Everybody realized peace was good, and all weapons were thrown into the sun, never to be used again. Blah blah blah. <laughs> there were unicorns and rainbows. And roll credits, you know. <laughs> that that said, I I think this probably has my favorite uh, in terms of grunt suit design. Mentioning the Ares was like it, it's one of the few grunt suits that actually sort of stands out as being unique to its own show. With its little stick legs. Yeah, like the little stick legs and the TV screen faces. What about the Taurus, though? Well, the like, Taurus. the grunt suits across the whole board, like the Tauruses and the... The Cancer? The Crab uh, Gun? Or the Crab Suit in the, in the water? Hey, it was the least dumb-looking amphibious suit. Yeah, it makes sense, because when you looked at it, you could tell it was an amphibious suit. Yeah, I mean, it's no guy, but I'm pretty good on Endless Walls. <laughs> and Endless Walls was fun. It was. And then we get Gundam Act. Oh, man. The Gundam show Act. that everyone likes but Bandai. <laughs> <laughs> when Gundam yeah. X, I remember when I was reading, back when I was just getting into uh, you know, Gundam, and I was reading up on, after I watched it, I was like, oh, I want to watch more Gundam stuff. And I remember reading some things online about X and how it was a failed Wing clone. I mean, how it was, they tried to repeat the success of Wing, and it failed miserably, it was canceled. And a couple of years down the line, I got a chance to watch it, and it's nothing like Wing. It's not even in the same ballpark as Wing. Well, it's got the same character designs and a bunch of yeah. reject mech designs. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the look is similar, but story-wise, it's not even in the same ballpark. There's a whole different setup going. If anything, but, there's but a little bit of hints of a little bit of double Zeta in X, but that's about it. I don't know if I'd say that. I mean, because it yeah, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of. Uh, it's the uh, what junkers if. and rejects who all kind of form together on what's left of a military ship to travel the world on a or travel the universe on some sort of goal. Of course, on X, it's ninety nine point nine percent on the Earth. Yeah, but that's a that's a little that's a little broad comparison. I know. I'm just, I'm just saying this is the it has more in common with Double Zeta than it ever did Wing. I don't know about that. I think eh. X X is it's it, it's got the parallel with. It's the what-if scenario. What if yeah. Operation British was multiple colonies? What would yeah. it do? I mean, if any of the shows, if it's going to have anything in common in it, it would be turn A because, yes, using the old suits and finding them buried and, and working them and stuff like that, but, you know, X came before turn A. So, um, you know, that would be saying turn A stole that kind of concept on it, but... Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite of the alternate centuries because it's completely different. And, um, yes, it was cut short, what, 37 episodes, I believe, something like that? 39, all of which written by one man who would have done the whole 52-episode run, which is, like, that man's a boss. And, yeah, and for I the, just and imagine for, him writing 24-7 for, to try and get those eight episodes out. Because it was, you know, cut short, you know, has probably the best, like, wrap-up episode you can have when you get cut short. I mean, it made sense. It, you know, okay, maybe there were some holes, but that was just because it was canceled. You know, they couldn't show any more of that stuff. And, um, you know, it would have been really interesting to see what they would have done. Um, With the other 13? Yeah, it really would have, because you know that, that 
final battle with um, with the um, with the colonies. I mean, because there was a lot of things going on. I know um, the the uh, the figures for the the what is I think it was the G Falcon. Yeah, the double X. They actually, you know, they combined, and you know, there was that that hint of um, Paula and uh, Garud being related, and you know, there's just a lot of things in there, and um, yeah, I don't I don't get the comparisons to Wing. I mean, the only thing, like you said, is the character designs. Like, so. you've got the same character designs, and I'm pretty sure the Leopard and Air Master were definitely pulled off the Wing reject pile for mech designs. Not that that's a bad thing. I like actually really like the leopard. It was sort of like a slightly bulkier, heavy arms. And they had great upgrades too. I mean, like, I I liked Air Master a lot. I, I liked it, you know, just the regular Air Master, and I I like the uh, the upgraded Air Master. Um, yeah, I enjoyed Air Master Burst, but I was never a huge fan of Leopard. Most of their grunt suits, I didn't. They were kind of like redesigned Zeon suits. I never cared for. I love the DX. I really dream of a Master Grade DX. I don't think we'll ever see one, but... You know what? Never say never when it comes to Master Grades. Oh, I'm not going to... Exactly. Let me rephrase this. Like, we'll get come on, we got... Come on, we got the whole line from Wing in less than two years. Oh, I know. I, let me rephrase that. We will get a DX. Will we get it anytime soon, though? Well, it's hard to say, and it just depends on, you know, as these things get more popular, you have to realize with with X, X had some type of resurgence a couple of years ago when they re-released the DVDs in, in Japan. So, and you know, that manga, that D, that X manga afterward is a pretty good manga. Usually these, these follow-ups to some of these mangas are kind of hit or miss. That one's pretty solid. Yeah. So, like, but you know, and unfortunately it suffered the same fate as the original show. <laughs> without real, with the, without the resurgence coming in fast enough to rescue it. Well, yeah, so considering what they had to, how much they had to cram into that last, you know, eight or nine episodes, I thought it was a pretty good ending, considering what they had to work yeah. with and how much time they had. Yeah, that's I, what I, I, I agree with you. I would have really liked to seen the, you know, the full ending with them everything fleshed out. But considering how much time they had to finish it up and what they were able to come up with, I was impressed. And once again, the strength of that show was the arc telling, the story arc telling, which was great. You know, there when and that was definitely something that was different than what we saw in previous Gundams. It wasn't, you know, this uh, at the beginning of the show, there wasn't this end goal that you knew by the end of the first episode, like in every, every other Gundam. This one, it was just, you know, they're just kind of putzing around the earth, and you'd have three, four episodes here, four or five here, one or two here, and, um, you know, talk about Magnificent Bastards, the Frost Brothers. I mean, those guys are ridiculous. Uh, uh, I didn't. Of all the... In the grand scale of Gundam villains, Frost Brothers don't rank very high for me. They just got on my nerves more than they did. I didn't really care for them that much. Oh they my just, God. they were, I, let's put it this way, they didn't really annoy me. They didn't really, you know, make me love to hate them. I didn't really enjoy them like I did Char. Just kind of like, eh. Well, the, the fact that they were uh, all for themselves, they were probably one of the first really unjustified heroes. They weren't. You know, they weren't really anti-heroes, and they weren't really justified villains. They were just bastards because they were, you know, they got rejected. I mean, that episode where the, uh, they're interviewing all the new types and they're freaking killing the guys and stuff. It's like, that's pretty hard. That's pretty hardcore. I mean, that's pretty villainous, especially for a Gundam show. Hmm, let's test and see if these men are new types. Yep, they are. Bang. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly, and that's what they did. Getting back to the mech designs, I, I do like the Elite Suit mech designs quite a lot. I normally don't buy two of the exact same kit, but I do have a high-grade X and a high-grade X divider. Just saying. Can I just say, Kid, the uh, mechanic, my all-time favorite mechanic of any series. The man stabbed, or the kid, stabbed himself in the leg with a screwdriver so he wouldn't fall asleep. Oh, yeah. It's like, some balls right now I'm tired and losing blood, but I'm still going to finish this. <laughs> and had his two little, I forget those two, as two helpers that were like, you know, they just, they would do anything for that guy. And, uh, and he yeah. And together that harmonica cannon, you know, you just threw it together with some crap he found in the garbage. Hey, give me it's, that. I can make some kind of a cool weapon with that. <laughs> and, it, and it's one of the few shows where it shows sometimes that there's not, the quick turnaround time because um, there were a couple times when he'd go out and X and it wasn't completely repaired. And um, it also showed the fact of when they'd have to do these quick turnaround times, like you said, what the, the toll it would take on the mechanics. It it ain't easy to fix a Gundam in 24 hours. No. Especially when your spare parts parts are stuff you found in dumpsters. And it's um, what, pretty much the only real good explanation of what a new type is. <laughs> yep. Every other show that has a new type is just kind of like here and there and this one it's just they're mutants. New type or Jedi and X. Yeah. Oh, mutants. Mutants. Just mutants. Okay. Yeah. Mutant cross with a Jedi that's kind of what a new type is in X. In Universal Century depends on the show what the definition is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about Jedi. I don't know about the Jedi reference, but I, they're just more mutants more than anything. So I don't know. Well, it, it also managed to show that you know new type isn't the end all be all of yeah. of of you know your skills. Well, the fact that you could you know it showed what was it? Jamil showed Garud how to beat a new type without using new type powers. And, you know, that's something we never really see. It's always the vice versa, where it's like the super skill pilot is always overcome by the developing new type, you know, as is Char Armro. You know, Char does become a new type later, but very weak. And, and Jamil needs just freaking badass. Uh, it's the one of the coolest captains ever, man. Coolest captain. Got his shades, got his ladies. Got his sideburns. Does he yeah. ever take off those shades during the... I know he, there's flashbacks of him without the shades, but like... Think, almost the entire series is wearing the bloody shades, even when he's indoors at night. No, I think when he flashed back to, I think when he, I might be wrong, but I do believe he takes them off when he talks about him being the pilot of the X at the end of the war. I think, I think. Like I think, I think he pulls the like I. This is an o- emotional beat. I will remove my glasses. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me tell you this story. It's horrible, and you know. <laughs> I got the sunglasses. Now I look more serious. Exactly. But I do, I do think he does at one point or so. I, I like, I, I seem to recall him removing it. Yeah. yeah. I do too. I wear my sunglasses. At, sorry. <laughs> but yes, Gunamax was pretty solid. And speaking of like crazy things Bandai might do, I, I'd still be down for a Gunamax prequel about Jamil. Man. Yeah, it, as an I, OVA. I'd like to see it, but that like has no six, chance of Like six-part OVA about the last space war. I don't know about that. You just never know. Like I said, they've, they've, 
you could yeah, say that like three I, I years ago. I didn't think ago. there was a snowball's chance in hell of uh, Gundam: The Origin, so I'm not. I guess you're right. I can't rule anything out at this point. Yeah, yeah, they've 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 broken the rules now, so you just don't know. And it's like I said, the the with uh, the the resurgence of popularity of it in um, Japan has been, you know, pretty big. So we shall see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Speaking of things that are resurging in popularity in Japan, let's talk about Turn A Gundam. Or Turn A Gundam. White Devil with Mustache. <laughs> Probably the most uh, ambitious of Tamino. And the last Tamino Gundam. The last Tamino show. Yep. Well, the Zeta movies. That's not, yeah, I don't count But that, it's not a show. <laughs> yeah, the last actual show and turn a is one of those i when i first saw it i didn't care for it i kind of warmed up to it after a couple of viewings i think it kind of gets a little draggy in the middle once they get into space it really kicks into high gear and it did give me one of my all-time favorite characters i love the um oh god i can't think of his name all of a sudden the um guy who wears the masked man in that show harry ord harry ord thank you i loved harry ord just because with his big sunglasses his his big sunglasses and he was one guy, he, you knew exactly what his goal was the entire time. It was to protect the queen. Now, yeah. he may not know exactly where the queen is, but he's going to damn well protect her. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he is the definition of a knight. He's not out for himself. He's out to protect the queen. Now, he may misplace the queen from time to time, but he always protects her. Yep. And the thing about turn A is, I mean, of course, the most obvious thing is the design of the turn A. And um, the all the fan reaction to that when it first came out. The other big highlight of it is is that it's really the only Gundam until Turn X comes up at the end, and uh, you know everything else is um, just you know they're un- they're unearthing all these other mechas from previous shows, and of course the great reveal that you know the dark history happened, and we see all. Things for all the shows up until that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and, you gotta love Coronander, the only Leo ace. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean... Yeah. I mean, he was bad shit for it. Yeah, Flashbacks, Wing Zero! Oh, shit, not again! The only guy that knew what a Gundam was, and that was just because he was, you know, the whole thing with the moon races, they were kept, half of them, most of them were kept in suspended animation, and they'd come out every so often, so... Yeah, great show. I mean, once again, great characters and, um, you know, very ambitious with its uh, retro 1920s feel and, you know, the fact of everything being introducing great technology into something and seeing how it uh, corrupts everything. <laughs> so, the first black pilot. Yep. I like know. Loron, but at times he seems a little wishy washy to me. I kind of wanted him to, like, come on, make up your mind and get on with it. You know what, though? Loran, though, you say that wishy-washy, and that's always been a thing with... Uh, Turn A washer? No. With the, with the Gundam Lees, is, but you have to think, though, this is a guy that still stayed true to his you know, his convictions, especially once he stopped doing the... Uh, he put the no-kill policy in. I mean, he... Like, he I, was the pacifist who didn't kill anybody. I think he did. I think one of the... One, one guy. Those, one confirmed. Yeah. Yeah, that guy, um, one of the, uh, what was it, one of Swetson's guys, I think, yeah. when they were fighting on the, on the, on the moon. He did, I, but he, you know, he tried not to. It was just 
one of those things. So well, that is impressive considering Turn A never really gets upgraded. He just you know, the more he works with it, the more things he discovers about it. And he still doesn't figure out what all the buttons do. Right, he never yeah. does. But you know, he quickly realizes, oh, this has got some weapons. Oh, this has got some powerful weapons. Oh, this thing can carry a nuke. Oh, dear God, this has got a weapon of beyond mass destruction, kill everything weapon. Well, like it's you got said, butterfly wings of death in the back. Holy crap! And and like you and like you were saying about Harry Ord and and the fact that he, you know, his convictions were the same. Laurens were the same all the way through that show, and you know, which is very unusual for the Gundam leads. Because they usually start to get all jaded and hardened at the end, and it's like, you know, this guy, he, Laurent at, in episode fifty was co- pretty much Laurent in episode one. You know, yeah. he was just that really yeah, unassuming. Point, yeah. Tries to. I think, I think you're right in terms of yes, his convictions. He had his mind made up on how he's going to do this, how he's going to fight this war. From day one, he followed it. But I think if he have, did change throughout the episode, is he became more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? forthright about what he wants in his life you know before he was you know kind of i don't maybe wishy-washy isn't the best way of saying it but he was maybe not shy i'm not sure exactly the word i'm looking for he just didn't seem to be you know a vocal person didn't seem to be a go-getter by the end you know he said okay i want to i want the queen is my wife i want to live this kind of life this is what i'm going to do anybody doesn't like it sorry (laughs) Well, I don't know about. I don't know if I'd see he was assertive like that. He he still I'd, seemed pretty much the same. I mean, he was still the same guy that was trying to please everybody. I mean, that, oh, he was, but that was that little. I think Laurent, I sense Laurent a change. Thing. I sense a change in Laurent from the beginning to the end. I just can't quite put my finger on what it is. How's that? Like he's still trying to please everyone, but he's not quite sacrificing pleasing himself anymore. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking that's of. Probably yeah, probably the best best way of looking at it. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, great show. I mean, um, another great soundtrack this time. This time, Yoko Kano. Yep. God, some of the best. Well, that the 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 one the one track that stands out the most to me is the 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 one where I think it's just a guitar and it's just kind of picking. Yeah, that's uh, Airplant, oh, and I believe the guitarist was uh, Mr. Sunioi Mahori yeah. on that track. Yeah, that that's just and it it's just perfect in the places that they put it when it shows up in the show. I mean, it just captures the mood, and that's a lot of her strengths when it comes to doing these soundtracks for these uh, for these shows. Is able to not only uh, um, you know convey the feeling and the story within the music. So just don't. If you haven't seen it, I know it's going to look crazy, but in the end, it, you know. This, this is the show that grows on you. Right. That's what I tell people with Turn A is like, if you just watch the first 10 episodes, you may want to quit. Don't. Let it marinate. As you watch the show, you'll want to see more. And I think it's the show as you see it um, more and more. Uh, I've seen it in its entirety now three times, and each time I watched it, I got a little bit more. I actually got more of appreciation of it because it 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 seemed a little ahead of its time, um, you know. And Rich is like what you guys said. Now it's uh, the fact that it's got resurgence of popularity, and you know this was the show that the Japanese hated when it first came out. Yeah. They hated that job. And speaking of snowballs in hell, we're actually getting a North American release. Yeah. Somebody made a deal with the devil. And fall. Yeah. 
Yeah. So we're 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 gonna see it. Like I, I'm. It's like it's gonna come out, and I'm gonna buy it, and then I'll have it, and this will be ridiculously they, weird to me. Did they say they're gonna split it up like they're doing with MSG? Or they're gonna set it in two different spots, so they're just gonna give you one box and give you the whole damn thing. It's two boxes, but. Yeah. Subs only, no real features yeah, well, on it. Yeah. When I heard it was coming out, I was like, I'd be stunned if they put a dub on it, and they're not going to. <laughs> no. Which nah. is fine by me. I'll still buy it with subs. Well, I think that I said, think I don't think I want a dub because I actually enjoy the cast on this. Like, yeah. the, the cast on this show is amazing. I prefer dubs, but I'm not going to be you know, like, oh, it doesn't have a dub. I'm not buying it. No, I'm still buying it. But <laughs> Well, you know what? The, the, if they gave it a dub, it'd go to Vancouver, and there's no one in Vancouver who can top uh, Romy Paku. <laughs> too too many of a boots and too many stories. Yeah, yeah. But that's about it for me on uh, turn A. Watch it. Yep. Watch it. It's got cows. <laughs> yeah, does have cows. Has biplanes. Biplane. Nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing greater than seeing biplanes strafing large giant robots. Yeah. yeah. I that, love the turn A washer. That was still hilarious. Three. Puts the hand out. Hey, never knew what a Gundam hand could be used for with a giant friggin' washing machine. Who knew? <laughs> I just think it's awesome that if you buy the Master Grade Turn A, it comes with a cow. Yes, it comes yeah. with a cow. Yeah, that is amazing. Uh, speaking of Master Grades, if, if, I, if Bandai would listen to me, and I know they're not going to, Master Grade Turn X, please? Well, mas- more Master Grade villain suits, period, but... Yeah. And, and uh, the Sumus, especially the gold one, Harry's... Yeah, I, you know. I got a high-grade sumo sitting on my shelf. I'd love to see a master grade, but that's one of those ones I highly doubt again. But you never know. The overweight Hayakushiki. <laughs> Hayakushiki put, it put some weight on during its time, during yeah, the dark history. Hayakushiki after one too many trips to the Krispy Kreme. Pretty much. All right. We're getting closer now, closer to the main event. <laughs> and, yeah. So Gundam Seed. Worst 2000s Gundam. Worst 2000s Gundam. Mm. No, that's after. Ah. <laughs> oh, man. Gundam Seed. Wow. God, I remember when this came out, there was so much hype. And, you know, rightfully so. There hadn't been anything done in a while, um, you know, a couple of years. And, you know, it was uh, always had an intriguing storyline to me the fact of using uh, genetically enhanced people and having to deal with uh, a war between them and regular humans i always thought was uh you know it was a topic you never saw any you know it was always earth versus space but you know of course they put the genetic people up into space so it's still in a way it was earth versus space but it was mainly because of um you know the the way that they were their, their upbringing and stuff so well um, i like that there's there's two basic themes running through Seed and Seed Destiny. I'm sure this argument will blend in with the next one, but uh, there's two basic themes. The first is pretty much a theme of every Gundam show. War is bad. Is there a good way or a bad way to fight a war? The other theme that's running throughout the entire timeline is nature versus nurture. Are you the, a, the person you are because of the experiences you've had, or are you a, the person you are just because of what your genes say that you are? Um, Which comes into a big argument because of the coordinators. They're man-made genetic people, so those genes determine literally what they are. You're a better human being because human beings created you. Well, I think it's... um, Because new types evolved. Other 
other people evolved into a higher plane, if you want to call it that, except for cyber new types, but that's a different argument. But now, yeah, uh, but coordinators you, you, were made in a lab. But but you had you have cyber coordinators basically in this too, and you know you have you you're, you have the Earth a lot. I don't know. I I see that theme throughout first seed. I don't see it in Destiny because I don't know what the theme was there. Okay. Um, no, it's. I mean, but we're talking about regular seed at this point. But um, you know, yeah, that is that is uh that is the complaint there. The only problem with Gundam Seed is the is the first about seventeen episodes. You know, them trying to get to Alaska takes way too long. I agree that the uh, desert arc they could have shortened that up a lot. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't mind the desert arc. I didn't mind the interactions with the desert tiger, but you know they just kind of spent too much time in the desert. Come on, get to Alaska. Well, and, get then, going. and then you spend that one episode where they're going across the ocean and they have to fight, you know, bearded dork in the uh, amphibious suit just to show what the amphibious suit was. Yeah, and well, that's a know, that's a toy gimmick, but they do that all the time. It's like right. here's one more suit to buy. But once they got to Alaska, and then you saw what the, you know, how bad the Earth Alliance was and what their deal was. Um, that's when it really jumps up into, you know, really jumps up. And, um, you know, part of it is I, I, it, it ends with a pretty, um, a pretty good ending. Uh, very violent. Probably one of the violent, most violent um, last two episodes next to Zeta Gundam when it yeah. comes to actual named characters getting smoked you had god probably about what eight or nine main characters getting killed off and, yeah and, and, but how many of them stayed dead not all of them unfortunately but that's okay. uh, not enough of them we'll get to that argument in a bit but oh. i i well, argue that for pretty much the main character at the beginning is kira then in that battle between kira and atherin it switches then the main character becomes atherin for the rest of the series well, yeah, it is. It is Atherin because Atherin finds out that his dad went batshit crazy because of the attack on Junius Seven, and then he finds out his whole motivation behind the war that you know he's lying to the the people of Zaf, saying, "Oh, this is for freedom." Yeah, he's doing it to annihilate the humans, just like Azrael's trying to annihilate the um, the coordinators. And... Well, he finds himself. You know, he's got to make a choice. He's got to. Am I gonna? His is a choice that gets made for him. You know, he's yeah, he's going to attack his father. He's going to go up and stop his father. But does he really have, you know, what it takes to shoot his father and stop him from doing what he's doing? He doesn't quite get that choice because when he walks in, some random guy realizes, holy crap, this guy's gone nuts and plunks one in his head. Yeah. So he but never gets that choice made. It's made for him by the time he shows up. The, the, the ending's good. The only problem with it is is because they wasted so much time in the beginning. There are they, some things that do get sped they up used too much. Episode. They could have used one more episode just to no, tie they, they, No, they, they just could have used their time better in the middle. Exactly. Exactly. Because like, there's, a, there's a lot of episodes. Like, this is the thing about Gundam Seed to me is that you basically alternate episodes between, you know, if it's an odd-numbered episode, it's a fight. If it's even, it's angst. Yeah. And 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 once. The and if you'd tightened up on either of those things, you'd have had time to develop the actual plot of the show instead of just hitting the same beats as uh, first Gundam. Yeah, I and, love and, Gundam and, Seed ranks in my top five. I'll say that right now. Gundam Seed, I think, did a great job. They're, the flaws in this show, again, they're there, but they're minor. 
I don't know if I'd say they're my they, they, this they is, have... well part of the, this this is the same problem I have with certain with a couple other franchises where what comes later hurts the first hurts earlier parts. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz my my biggest one of my big problems with it is the fact of the uh the three druggy pilots for the um you know for the for the Earth Alliance. These guys I love they those were the guys. First, yeah, but they were the first ones to really take it to Atherin and Kira throughout the whole show. And then, like, in the last episode, they just start going out like punks. Like, all of a sudden, oh, it's, you know, we only have 15 minutes left in this show. We need to just kill these guys off very quickly. I didn't quickly. mind that because when they, were, when they were, you know, taking Atherin and Kira to their limits, it was a one-on-one fight. You know, just them. Maybe on Orb, the battle there was a little more chaotic, but... That final battle is utter madness and chaos, explosions, death everywhere. But that's I mean, the, that, that's the, the one druggie thing, who's, you know, but having the, the a... Is, 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 is they're, so, they're so powerful. Uh, okay, I understand a, a part of it they were showing, um, you know, like I think the last guy in the Raider, he, you know, he runs out of power. But the other two guys, it's like they couldn't even touch these guys. They're still at full power. And then it's like, oh, we only we, we just hit the commercial break. It's now it's time to kill these guys. And then you got you got um, you know even though I didn't mind Ezok finally getting his Gundam kill, then you yeah, have him <laughs> in the old ass Buster destroying uh, the Forbidden, which was a mut, you know which was like a second or third generation suit just like that. I mean, it's it's like Scott said, it's it's just a, it's a, it's a waste of time. Yes, they're going to die, but the fact that you just killed them like completely in a row and they went and they were just such a pain in the ass for so long, you know, if you want final battle, you want final battle. You yeah, know, but that, I can I can understand why they kind of went out like that because you know, before they me. were just before they were just fighting Kira and Atherin, it's a 3 on 2 fight. There they've got Mobile suits are plenty on their side against but them. Nobody, it's just, but nobody's fighting them, though. Alliances are changing sides but literally but within the battle. <laughs> but nobody's fighting them, though. The, the, the Forbidden was killed. You know, the, the Forbidden shot his little, you know, whiplash beam or whatever the hell that thing was at dumbass Kigali. It, it gets blocked by Ezo. No, no, she wasn't a dumbass till the next show. Yeah, that's true. No, she was a dumbass and, in the first show too, but we'll get and to that the, in a second. And then, uh, and and then she, um, you know, and then he, he goes in and he's able to dismember it. And so you're telling me Buster can dismember this suit? Yeah, freedom, dual, Buster, but yeah, mm-hmm. or duel, whatever it was, duel or you know, duel it, it can can do this. And it, you know, these two guys, that that was that was because the pacing was off. I mean, yes, it's a phonetic battle, but part of the reason why it's a phonetic battle or, you know, and so frenzied is because they were trying to wrap everything up. No, I agree with that. There was time constraints, but that's all in every Gundam show. They always have time Not, constraints. Uh, well, some do and some didn't. Some, like, some turn A. better than others, I'll give you that. And turn A has. See, Destiny does a pretty j- poor job of doing that. But you just said at the beginning of this, you even admitted that the, the, it starts a little slow at the beginning. It does. It does. I'm not, so, I'm not well, saying it, it does a. The seed and seed destiny. If there's a big league flaw in both the shows, it's they both don't plan very well for the time they got left. I mean, and let's not even get. They think they have infinity on episodes when they only have forty or ten or five or whatever. Right. So, but why? Why are you? Why are you discounting that on on this? And you know, saying on other shows 
they, they should they could have done it a little bit better. I mean, that's 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 the argument here. It's like it's not saying that this is a crap show. It's not a crap show. It, no, it had it had a, it had an, a cohesive story from beginning, middle, and end. I'm just, just the execution. I'm just saying the the death of the the three druggies has a rationale behind it. I see a rationale, especially what is, what when is, you see the duel. As he's going, you know, out of his drugs, he's going into relapse, and he's gone completely off the deep end, and then he just kind of blows up by running into a field of beam shots. Yeah, but that was one of the guys. I mean, the the guy uh, the guy that did the uh, calamity. I mean, he was at full power, and it was nothing. It was like all of a sudden, you know, and they had those big uh, the, what is it? The, what were those things? The meteor packs. Right. Uh, yeah. Countless episodes. And they're fighting him with this, and now all of a sudden, because they did a little dip-de-doo, they can cut him in half? Really? I mean, you, you don't see that as a little stupid? I mean, it's nitpicking it, but it is a little stupid when it comes to, comes to some of that stuff. Okay, here, here's my biggest... Here's actually my biggest problem with Seed, is that earlier Gundam shows, like, particularly MSG and a little bit in Victory, was that they would introduce a sub a sympathetic enemy character. Yeah. And then stuff would not go well, and then you'd feel bad that this sympathetic enemy had died, and it felt like a really interesting take on this war story. And in Seed, there was not one sympathetic enemy character that did not turn to the good guy's side. Yeah, that's because Andy should have stayed dead. He was supposed to stay dead. And yet now all of a sudden he comes back and he's you know he's one armed and one eyed and well at least he came back maim- significantly maimed yes. yeah he unlike a few it. others well, he, yeah he, he paid a, for his price there there was a rationale again behind it because when he uh, he was about to blow up his girlfriend slash wife I don't remember if they ever explained that dove him and there you know it can make sense that she took the full front of the but, blast and he just got severely but you but you have to remember. but you had other characters talking about him as being. Like yeah. dead for reals. Yeah, like in the next in subsequent episode. episodes. Yeah, the next, the following episode, the guy that takes over command there talks about him being dead. Yeah. So I mean, and and it 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 has been known. No, I agree. That, it's obvious it's a retcon, but it's just a retcon yeah. I, that there's some logic behind it. Well, what's the logic outside of that? He was a popular new type player. character polls. <laughs> I mean, that yeah, that in reality, for the story, you don't have to have him come back. I mean, he dies. I don't know what his character resurrection did for the, the story as a whole, because then he just ended up being a minor character under the command of Locus in the Eternal. Yeah. Also, who takes orders from a pop star? Who? <laughs> who? Miley Cyrus shows up and tells you to do something. Do yeah. you listen? No. <laughs> I thought Locus, the the idea behind her was interesting. Yes, in the beginning, she's a pop star. She's just, you know, there like, for fan service, and these she's there to serve, you know, the cute purpose of the show. But I think her character develop is more of a political leader by the end. She's in that bunker talking on the mic, you know. She's the voice of the resistance. Kind of see her as, you know, the is not the leader of the resistance, is more of the figurehead of the resistance. Well, that's true, and the, and they do do the connection that her father was a high-ranking official in Zap. But why did they have to introduce her as a pop star if they wanted her to be taken seriously as a political figure later? Yeah. Like, that that's, that's what I don't get. If you wanted her as a legit, uh, to be taken seriously as a legitimate political figure, why not introduce her as 
I don't know, say a senator from Alderan. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, know the Rel- fact Relina starts out as a schoolgirl and ends up as the queen of the whole damn planet. So yeah, and no one took her seriously as a political <laughs> figure either. And at least she didn't lead anyone. Yeah, she yeah she was not leading the she was not leading those guys in the battle. Like e- even even when they elected made her queen, Roma Feller made her queen. It was very obvious she was just there to be a pretty face exactly. for their or- organization. She's not, is she you know no, giving commands out to what? To, uh, no, she's sitting in the fucking captain's chair giving she's commands. A and at what point does she say? I thought you I thought you liked these shows. I remember she gave commands, dude. She gave commands. She was commanding them. She was like She, she was in the chair. She, she had the coolest chair and everyone listened. <laughs> and she was she was considered a strategic equal as Ramius, as Dandy, as people who'd you know, come to officer school. Yeah, exactly. But I think she I don't think her put her in that kind of category i don't think i think you're well, giving her too much credit that's the category that they portrayed man yes i, I understand i think i think she's put as more as a figurehead is that you know this is the person leading us when when you get down to the brass tacks she's not making the military decisions what oh my gosh did we watch the same show whenever yeah, exactly no, when I, does she ever say no to ramius no we shouldn't do this no we shouldn't do that she eventually just listens to what they say I don't know about that because she had she had equal input when they were doing all this. Well, she had equal input, but at the end of the day, she didn't know. There you go. Say, hey, I'm the damn leader here. Do what I say. (laughs) And she, I'm not saying that, but she was treated as an equal. Yes, I understand the fact of her being a figurehead. I understand that, and you would use that as a way to unify people to come to your cause, but. You're not gonna you don't do put the figurehead, you don't give the figurehead the same vote as everyone else. Like, the fact that she's even at these command meetings is, you know, much more telling than anything else. And like, then, Rowena did not sit on the inner circles of the Rommerfeller Foundation, yeah. but, you know what, people take her, like, you know, Ramius and everyone else takes her input seriously. And, and, you're, and your top pilot, Kira, at this point... Is taking he's under complete command under her. I mean, you know the thing is. Well, granted, the only command she has to give him is go forth and use your hacks. Exactly. You know, spam away. But it's just like, yeah, it, the figurehead thing I understand, but the fact of her getting equal strategic importance and being in in these command meetings makes no sense. You know, because the person that really should have been doing it was Andy, and Andy would give commands. But if you remember in that show, he would kind of give like just the normal commands you would give when it came to like some of the things. She's sitting there, you know, saying, "Oh, we need to do this," and he just sit back with his, you know, his head down and his little his sleeve and his arm floating in zero g. So it's like, you know, I don't know, man. <laughs> I think you need to rewatch your show. All right, I'm not gonna go, we're not going to go on and on and on with this argument here. Cause not, I'm, I'm not saying this, it's this not, is a nitpicky argument. <laughs> no, it's not. It's 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 a normal. It's just a normal complaint and a normal lacking of the show. I'm not saying that the show is garbage. I've I've rated the show pretty highly. I I enjoy Seed. I own Seed. I think it's I think it's a pretty good show. But it does have some lacking things. A lot of it is the waste of you know the the waste of time with some of the stuff in the beginning and then the overuse of the flashbacks and stuff. Well, 
Yeah, well, it's well. Th- this is a rule that I think more came out of Destiny, but it's, it's like a character's not dead till you've seen them die seven times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shall we? Shall we? I think we're about there anyway. Shall we move in? All right. Let's take a little break. No. We're gonna get to the. Uh, no, we have to talk about the movies first. Uh, oh yeah, the, the, the compilation movies that came out of this. Because that they actually the- introduced new things. Exactly. Uh, New things with, um, well, get basically. See, get to see uh, Kieran Flay and get down. Yeah, you have that. And then you have, you know, the the removal of the helmet. And, you know, all the craziness that started with that. Well, I, I th- this is something that I think it had had uh, some of the original people who were going to be on the show would have confirmed for me, was that there are two things that Anime North's Gundam panels have established very firmly. One... Mulaflaga is not a fortress. Right. And two, he is in fact Batman. Yeah. <laughs> anti-fortress can <laughs> anti-fortress cannons do not work against non-fortress things. And yeah. that Batman can breathe in space. <laughs> and and the fact of too, you rearrange with the the kill thing, because Izak gets the Gundam, but in this one, now all of a sudden, this guy in the first generation Gundam suit is taking out Two of the druggies, because <laughs> that was silly, and this then the way he got the second guy was really stupid. So I don't know why they did that, but you know, yeah, there's, and and the problem with those um, those movies is there you there's so much being chopped up, and they really probably needed four movies to do what they were trying to do because if you've if you watch it and you and and you don't know what's going on, man, it's pretty damn confusing because they they jump back and forth. I mean, some of the editing is just god awful. Like it's really hard to cut 13 hours like 13 episodes is about what, 6 hours, Something give like or take. Yeah. It's hard to cut that down to an hour and a half. And yeah. I'm not advocating for six movie series for compilation movies of one TV show either. But th- there's got to be a better way to to do the editing work on this, and it, and especially it it suffered the same it suffered the same you know when you have a show that it starts off very slow and there's a lot of stuff really not going on and then you have a bunch of stuff at the end that kind of happens well you see that with the movie because it just it's the same way because like I said if you haven't seen the show. You're really not going to know what's going on. It's 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 almost watching like a completely different show when it comes to things. So, Jab Man. Yeah, I didn't care for the compilation movies. I thought they were mostly just a cash grab. They fixed some issues, but some issues remained the same. I didn't see a need to make compilation movies out of the seed, but it's a cash grab. I don't. I don't. Well, mo- most compilation they're... movies are cash grabs. We we didn't mention the turn A compilation yeah. movies, but well, in, in they don't deserve movies. mention. <laughs> Yeah, they're bad, and or you know, and I'm sure you guys never spoke about the last Blitz of Zeon when you did um, you did your UC talk. No, yeah, we just ignored that. That's one of the most awful, awful uh, compilation movies. And compilation movies, they're very rarely done well, and it's just one of those things that you're gonna you have to deal with, especially with Gundam. It almost seemed like a tradition, but you know, some series didn't have it, thank God. But you know, the ones that did. Usually they're not very good. So, Miller's report also not good. It had a good premise, but yeah, I agree with you. Like it, it like it, as a compilation movie, it has an interesting premise, 
Yeah. It's just, you still, like, it didn't execute well. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's only, it was only for what, like, that two episodes, it was that bridge between those two episodes. Yeah. Because it was when they were in- investigating him for, what was it, they thought he was... Treason. treason. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yep, so that's it on the, on the movie. Sorry about that. I guess we can go to break now. Yeah, well... But let's let's play with the order a little bit and talk about Stargazer, and then we'll go to oh, okay. twenty second music break, and then we'll do the big event. Okay, <laughs> the big event. I forgot about Stargazer. Well, it's Stargazer's easy to forget. It's like 12, forty minutes long. I enjoyed yeah. Stargazer. I thought it was pretty good. I, I like I said, I would have liked to see more. I loved, I absolutely loved the design of the Stargazer Gundam. It's one of my great disappointments. It never got a one one hundred scale. I don't think I'll ever see a master grade, but eh. not even a one one hundred scale. Uh. But the the problem with Stargazers, the problem that you've had in the Seed universe, is it all it ended up being was psycho racist Earth Alliance versus psycho racist Zaft, and you know it was just it was you know like what was it the the guy that was in the uh, the duel you know he just goes crazy and he's oh I gotta kill all the coordinators and stuff. It's just like there was just no characters outside of the main characters on either side that was sympathetic or anything like that. I mean, they were just I don't all... Know. You, did, you didn't feel a little sympathetic for the main character of the Strike Noir? As you saw, you know, what he was turned into? Yeah, but we've already seen that happen, though. We saw that, you know, you, you see that with with those guys. But in the, even in the end with him, he was still... He, he still ended up just being, you know, a clone of everything and, and just wanting to kill these people. And, yeah, at the end, he was nice to that girl, but he's doing that based on survival. Plus, it's a little hard to really go into his character with the few snippets that we have because, like what Scott said, it's only about yeah. 40 minutes along. Oh, you don't get enough time to develop much of a character in anything, but I'm just saying for the limited time we have, I thought I, I enjoyed uh, his character. I can't think of his name off the, off the top of my head, but the power of Strike Noir. Yeah, Spen, Spen. Yes. but the problem is, is the because you can see, you know, a normal kid likes astronomy. You know, he's going to grow up to you know, maybe do something in that field, and then his whole world gets torn to hell, and he ends up being a killing machine. Yeah, but, but near it, the it, end, it, at least he maybe comes out of it a little. Maybe we'll never really know because again, no, no, there was a manga follow up. There is, yeah, yeah, yeah there's a manga. Yeah, there's a manga follow up to it. I, I never read it. Yeah, Sven. It turns out Sven's fine, and he joins uh, the DSDD or the DSSD. Yeah, and just does he? He gets this happy ending. Yeah, he gets. Yeah, I never read it, but I I kind of heard what happened, and he doesn't even really get with her, does he? He just and they just end up being friends, right? They don't yeah, really... like there's there's platonic handholding. Yeah, I never knew there was a follow up. I have to look for that. Yeah. <laughs> But the problem is, is that in battle, it was just evil Earth Federation versus evil, you know, and, and that was that's always been the problem with the or even with the Earth Alliance is they're just all completely evil. Well, I mean, no. Well, th- th- this is the problem with the Greater Seed Universe is if you don't have the protagonist stamp on your face, you're just a douchebag. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's no general rebel in this Earth Alliance. I mean, there's no one guy that's sitting there saying, oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. And even Zaft, it's pretty much the same way, too. I mean, it's nobody... I think think there is people like that. They just get killed off. I mean, you had that one general who was all for Ramius, and he was protecting the Archangel, and he got blown up as he he was protecting it as they reentered the atmosphere. 
Yeah, and you had Lacus's father, who was, you know, a voice of reason in the but coordinators. They, but, they didn't, That's what but, they didn't, but they didn't have any they didn't really have any face time. And once these people were off, you didn't see their disciples. You know, if you got guys like this, you're going to see them want to continue on even if these people get killed. I mean, General Revel, if you go to the original MSG, I mean, this guy, he knew something was up with the, with the, uh, with the Federation. Yes, he gets killed in the end, but he's doing everything he can to help out the white base. You don't, you don't see that happen with, well, I, it, I with, put it with the, the, the Alliance or Zap. You have to physically jump, jump sides to even do anything with that, 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 uh, that three ships alliance. There's well, nobody it, sorry, go in ahead. there. No, I'm just, there's nobody, there's nobody sympathetic there. There's no, you know, it's just, yeah, kill the coordinators. Oh, I know by the them. end, I kind of, I know by the, the end, world. you're, you're just down to, you know, kill them and kill them. That's about it. Rich Cause makes I kind of no look at both sides as kind of, you know, the German Nazis were there some, you know, sane, normal Germans in the, before, you know, things went to complete evil Nazism? Sure there were. They were killed. <laughs> they were weeded out. You know, if you kill all the voices of reason, all you're left with are the homicidal maniacs. But we're not told that. You don't know that. You're just speculating that that's happening. I know, but yeah, I'm saying you, get, you see two and examples then, of it on each side. You know, there is voices of reason on both sides, and they're both where? dead. <laughs> yeah, but they don't make enough of an impact. Nobody, you know, it's like I said, nobody carries on the torch for these people because that's what would yeah, happen. Yeah, because they saw him die. It's like, are you going to carry on a torch for a guy who got killed? Well, if you believe something like, well, hard. Well, if, I, if I, I'm going to follow that guy's, you know, example, I'm going to end up dead just like he did. Well, I hope, is, I, I hope we never, I hope the United States never gets taken over because I'm sure you, you'll be, uh, you'll be a, a collaborator there. Because oh, harsh. When, harsh. When, when you believe in something hard, when you believe in something enough, you should be, you know, people are going to risk their lives on it. That's just the way it is. I mean, if if people, if they, if that would have happened in, back in when this That's country exactly was founded. Well, no, but the way the writing of Seed would work is if they had anyone decent who was who had any real conventions, they wouldn't try and change the organization from within. Yeah. They just joined the, they just joined the protagonist side. Exactly. They'd get the P stamp on their head. Yeah. And, and, then, and then that saves them from getting killed. That that saves them from any that that saves the show from being, you know, too having this interesting dynamic of, yeah, you know, sympathetic bad guys. Because in reality, how often could they? How could somebody really be able to defect that easily? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I mean, sometimes and sometimes you do a greater good by changing things from within than changing them from from the outside. So, I don't know. That's always been the big issue, especially with the, the Earth Alliance, is it's just evil Earth Alliance versus evil Zaft. That's the impression that I get. So, All right. Okay, break time. Break Late. time. And then we argued for another 75 minutes, which would make this show far too long. So you can catch that in the next exciting episode. Uh, I thought they smelled bad on the outside. I thought they smoked bad on the inside. Please do not agree with Commons License. Check out our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. Check us out on Twitter at sbopodcast or our Facebook page at I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Inside. Or kick me an email at sbopodcast at gmail.com.